0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Monday is the easiest show of the week for me to do. That's just the honest to goodness truth, because I've got this big weekend we got to go through. And that's generally all there's time for. So we just, you know, you got the content already done for you. And, of course, that happened a few times recently where, you know, we had these ridiculously high-volume days where, you know, 11 to 13 basketball games, and so those shows really just kind of had to be like an old iteration. Do you guys remember when we had a show called The Box Score Breakdown? That was a fun one. The whole point of that show was to try to get it out the night before. It was quite hard, though. I Like, we had a few hosts that that worked through it. It was a great idea on paper, but... Uh, You really, you kind of need somebody in a different time zone, like a very different time zone. Anyway, hi everybody, welcome to a new week of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, and this is a sports ethos presentation, as per usual. I think you guys understand how all that works. Um, It's Monday, week eight is upon us, but the only real thing on the docket is a reverse chronological lightning round. Let's go through the weekend. We'll work backwards starting on Sunday. So it's not a like... I get, I'm honestly surprised that very few of you of you or none, I think, have been like, Dan, this isn't actually reverse chronological because you're not starting with the latest game and working backwards that way. Maybe I should. You know what? Screw it. Today we're going to actually do it, the games in reverse chronological order. For real. Not just the days, but the games within those days. And so we start with the nightcap. Sunday evening's late game. Portland beat the Indiana Pacers 116 100 No Tyrese Halliburton, who's out for the uh, expectation is a couple of ball games. Um I think the hope is that it's just like one or two. Um some groin soreness. Uh like a little bit of hip stuff, I think, in there. Um you know, maybe he's back today. It's the back end of a, of a back-to-back. They're struggling mightily on their current road trip. In fact, the only win the Pacers got in this roadie was that crazy comeback win against the Lakers when uh, L.A. just went to sleep on it. Otherwise, they lost the Clippers, lost the Kings, lost to the Jazz, lost to the Blazers. They've got the Warriors. Then they go back through Minnesota. It's a really tough road trip, make no mistake. But the world is beginning to even out a little bit on Indiana. Not that they weren't like, not that they aren't a decent basketball team, uh, but they aren't quite as good as things looked. A lot of times these teams they catch other clubs by surprise, and so the Pacers have lost three in a row. They've lost whatever I said, four or five or something like that, and they're twelve and eleven. Uh, so they're still in the mix. They don't have to blow things up. We're not at that point yet. But obviously, with every couple of losses, every three losses, whatever it is for Indy, you start to feel that tug inside a little bit more should they start to blow this thing up and we'll just uh, keep one eye on that as fantasy value goes I've been telling you guys for weeks to sell on Benedict Mather and he just doesn't have fantasy game he scores that's it and so when he doesn't score you get these ones yeesh Jalen Smith another rough one I know man I know I know. I've got people trying to convince me to get back in on Jalen Smith, but the dude just hasn't been inside the top 160 in weeks. He's he got like one good game out of every four or five these days. Now the dude is 70% rostered, and he's like not remotely close to fantasy value. Now this is not me picking on Jalen Smith, not on purpose at least. If I am, whatever, it's just a byproduct of the discussion. the 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 purpose here, the point of all of it. First of all, his free throws have actually improved a little bit. Some four or five games in a row, he's had kind of like a half-decent free throw thing going on. Field goal percent probably does also, I would assume, trend back up a little bit for him because he's sub-44% still, and that's a way that he can get back kind of in the mix quicker. But really, it's about minutes. He's averaging only 23 minutes a game because Rick Carlisle and the Pacers are still trying to win basketball games, and so if he's not playing well, he just gets yanked around. We're still there, we're still, I mean, that's not changing until potentially they just blow things up. Meanwhile, in the realm of rookies that are playing relatively well, Andrew Nembhard, uh has been averaging a lot of minutes lately. He came back from some injury, I can't remember what it was, like about a week ago, he's played 29, 27, 35, and 37 minutes. Now, in this most recent one, he had more shots, more opportunities, because Halliburton was out, but uh, he hit the big shot against the lakers that was the seemingly the thing that kind of propelled him he has eight three-pointers over those four ball games uh 23 assists four steals two blocks like the numbers are actually kind of decent he's been getting added a lot the 16 six and eight here in this ball game is one that got him added in uh, a lot a lot of places and i don't know if it sticks you know with rooks there's always the the up and down of a long season he's making his free throws and his field goal percent is decent so far, which, you know, at that point, you're kind of like, all right, this is something. I got to take note of it at the very least. Would I stream him if Halliburton misses another ball game tonight? Mm, probably not, and that's okay. I The way I stand with that type of stuff, I'd rather miss out on a player having a, I don't want to say surprise good ball game, but like maybe a better than expected ball game. I'd rather miss out on one slightly better than expected game than accidentally play a guy who stinks it up. I'd rather, I want to be very judicious in how I use my streaming plays against a Roto Games cap. Meanwhile, on the Portland side, Dame is back. Thank goodness. And he came out of this one seemingly unscathed. Phew! Twenty-one, four, and six. Dame a steal block, five three pointers. Not a bad way to parachute back into the mix, and hopefully he plays now for more than one week at a time. As far as Anthony Simons go, he still had a really nice ball game, but I think the number you got to take heed of here is that he only took 14 shots. I know Jeremy Grant still took quite a few, but you know we saw Simons taking 20 at least, almost every game with Lillard out. He had that one game where they got smoked by the the Nets, and he only took fourteen in that one. And so some of it was like blowout good, blowout bad type of stuff. But like, if you look at the game log for Simons, when Dame is around, he's more like you know twelve between twelve and twenty. That's a pretty big window there, but you know it's a different one than when Dame was out, and it was more like between sixteen and twenty five. You can't... The pattern is not that obvious if you're just looking at the game log because even when Dame was in, it was like 17, 20, 18. Like, there's some games in there where he was 22, season opener, go all the way back to that first one. But the pattern is there. You know, if you plotted a line, you'd see when Dame was in, he didn't have that 25 game, 25 shot night. And then when Dame was out, 23, 25, 24, 22, 25, those guys are all sprinkled in there. And then the low ones was like 19, 18, and 14, whereas on the flip side, the low ones were 12, 17, 17, 17, 16, that type of stuff. So it's in there. Now, now Simons has been unreal, particularly this last stretch with Lillard out. He's pushed his season-long value up to number 28, which is crazy, but that, again, is on 19 shots per ballgame and a whole bunch of free throws at a really good clip. He's going to taper off. As Jeremy Grant is also going to taper off. The question you have to try to answer if you're going to propose trades revolving around these dudes is how much. How much would you take back for Anthony Simons? Again, 28. It's a third rounder right now. Would you take... You know, Would would you be satisfied getting 75 range back? Eh, I think I'd try to aim a little bit higher. Would be satisfied getting like 60 range back? Yeah, maybe that's more the window. And then, you know, with someone like a Jeremy Grant, whose fantasy value is also very good. He's at 50 per game on the year. What would I take back there? 75? Yeah, I think I probably would take 75 back. Seems like Grant is maybe going to level off a little bit behind Simons on the year. All right, that's enough time on one ball game here. We got a whole, we got to do 30 teams. We've only done two. Knicks beat the Cavs in a 1980s slugfest. Yuck. No big notes on this ballgame. Typically, Kevin Love would be a good, better stream when there's no Jared Allen. 20-plus minutes for him has been more than enough in those scenarios. Hopefully, we see Allen back relatively soon, but if we don't, I think I'd feel okay streaming Love in the Cavs' next ballgame. And I'd also assume that they have a better offensive showing than they did in this one. Holy moly. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, 10-9 and nine with an assist. I know he only played 14 minutes, but he looked a lot more like himself. And he was a plus-16 in a game, the Knicks won by 11, and the starter, Mitchell Robinson, was a minus seven. Not that it's all his fault. Julius Randle was break even zero. I mean, you know, the bench unit was the one that did a lot of the damage here, but it was nice to actually see Hartenstein moving more like himself. No, he's not an ad after one big ball game or a medium ball game, whatever you want to call it, because the minutes are still way too low, uh, but it's a step in the right direction. And then with someone like Quentin Grimes, who's playing 41 minutes, led the team in minutes played, but just isn't even allowed to do anything. 4.6 boards, two steals a block. He's also kind of nuzzling up against that, should I territory? And for now, I think the answer is, "Eh, we can sit on it. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Oh, my God, 55-17. and I had the privilege of watching this game. You guys know I'm a Laker fan, a pragmatic Laker fan, mind you. Um, But AD is just destroying the real NBA and fantasy basketball. He's so far out in front of anybody else for first place right now on a per-game basis that the, the gap between AD and Steph at number two is the same as the gap between Steph and, like, Luca at number nine. Which is then the same as the gap between Luca and like Desmond Bain at twenty something like you can see how the, the gaps widen, but effectively you need like the number twenty-five player, twenty-seven maybe, slip that player in between Steph and AD. That's the difference between first and second right now. Now, on a totals basis, thanks to the fact that he's been quite durable and a bit of an I mean, I'd call it kind of an Iron Man right now. KD is actually number one by totals, AD's number two. Thank goodness for that, because we put kind of all of our eggs in the Kevin Durant basket for the first round, and it's really paying off. Uh, Otherwise, on the Lakers, LeBron slowly working his way up the board. He's up to 32 now on a per game on the year after getting off to a dismal start. Basically, since coming back from his injury, LeBron's played about six ball games, and he's number 11 over that stretch with, mind you, a pretty low number of assists and a kind of lower-than-expected field goal percent also. So LeBron is looking more like LeBron. Lonnie Walker is staying above the cut line right now. I know he didn't play as many minutes in this ballgame. It's not entirely clear why. Because he was part of units that were kind of winning. Uh, But Lakers went to some different looks trying to figure out what would keep Washington from pushing back into the ballgame. And Russ with 15 assists was certainly part of it. That's also why LeBron has had fewer assists. Russ has been doing a lot of orchestrating. Bron's actually been playing a bit more off ball when those two dudes share the floor, which is not as often as it was last year. And that's been, I think, you know, a part of the reason the offense has been a little bit better. Most of the reason is that Anthony Davis is just insane on the wizard side. Bradley Beal tweaked a hammy. He's expected to miss a few ball games. Well, I mean, last time we saw this happen, a lot of guys got really close to being ad worthy. Denny Avdia got really close. Corey Kispert got really close. Jordan Goodwin got really close. I'm inclined to watch the Wizards in their next ballgame because Beal missed most of this game and none of those dudes was an obvious add. Kispert led the pack in minutes played. Kuzma fouled out in 32 minutes. That also kind of screwed with things, although only just a couple of minutes towards the end of the ballgame. But we know Avdia, his fantasy game is more roto-friendly, a little more well-rounded. Kispert is more of the, I'll shoot you some threes, but I ain't doing a whole lot else. And then Goodwin, his fantasy game looked amazing, but there was a, a big-time level of inconsistency in it where we just had no idea if his minutes were going to be there from one night to the next. The nice thing about Goodwin, and you can go back to some of those games when Beal was out and he was playing whatever it was, like 25, 26 minutes a game, Actually, this is a pretty good exercise. We should probably do this. Let's look up Bradley Beal and make sure that the games he missed. So, if you you know you can do the game log, let's let's work through this exercise together. Uh, Beal was out from November second, sorry fourth, through November sixteenth. So, whatever games they played in between those, Beal wasn't in there. So, you go back to someone like a Jordan Goodwin. Those games were on the sixth, uh, seventh, tenth, twelfth, and thirteenth. Those are the games where Goodwin got. Bonus minutes because Beal was out. He played 26, 21, 29, 21, and 26. His minutes have actually stayed a bit higher even after Beale came back, although Rui's missed time continues to do so. Monty Morris missed a couple of ball games in there, so that also helped with Goodwin. The big thing, it's partly about minutes, but it's also partly about just having the basketball in your hand. When Beal is in there, the other guys, and Monty Morris, the other guys just aren't going to have the ball in their hands. So when you look at Goodwin and you're like, okay, well, how did he put up these solid numbers when it was only like two, three extra minutes of ballgame? It's because he just got to do more. That doesn't necessarily mean necessarily uh, you know, taking more shots, but just being more involved. Rebounding was higher. Assists were higher. Scoring was also higher. I'm inclined to actually watch the Wizards for a ball game. I don't think I'm going to make an ad on this team just on the Beal out situation because it does seem like he's going to miss a couple. So we have some time to kind of assess and then loop back around. Daniel Gafford was also an interesting footnote on this ball game. This is going to be a really long Monday show, so buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Gafford played 21 minutes. That has historically been enough for him. Uh, this is a tough one. I, and I'll, I'll admit, I'm a bit on the fence. It's, it's nice to sometimes have a really strong feeling on something, but it's two higher-minute games in a row for Gafford. He got a lot of his points, the 9-for-10 shooting, and a bit of a garbage-time push by the Wizards. Lakers kind of stopped competing when they were up by 27 or whatever it was. But it is worth monitoring, because over these two ball games, Gafford has 29 points, 19 rebounds, and 8 blocks. That's good enough. I want to see him do it one more time. They got a couple days off here. I don't think a lot of people are going to pounce on Gafford because he's done literally nothing on the season up until these last two ball games. so there's very reasonable explanation for skepticism. But he's on the watch list firmly. Most of the Wizards actually are on the watch list right now. Boston-Brooklyn, this was a much easier game to handicap, so we don't have to spend as much time here. Uh, TJ Warren, 18 minutes, didn't do much, as, I, as we've mentioned before. Just keep an eye on that. I, I you know, didn't play for two years, so it's a long way from relevance. Um, Boston has a back-to-back, so Horford's probably going to get a rest day. Malcolm Brogdon soaked up almost all of the Marcus Smart minutes. I'm really surprised that Derek White just couldn't get himself involved in this one. Typically, when one of those guards is out, you see a really nice game out of Derek White. And instead, it was just all Brogdon. Grant Williams also got a bump with a player out. He's shown himself to kind of be in that one-player-away situation. And if you want to roll with him, uh, because, again, Horford, you you know the games Horford's going to miss. That gives you a really easy opportunity to drop Grant Williams into your lineup when he can just slide up and play a bigger spot on the floor. One, two extra rebounds, one extra shot, whatever it is, that's enough to push him over that start line because games cap he's not he hasn't been good enough head to head he's actually been good enough all season long you just sort of you can do better when you pick your spots with a guy like that memphis beat detroit no stephen adams in that ball game i was out uh dealing with some kid child care related things so i actually didn't see that that news on adams it was somewhat late breaking brandon clark got the start and of course anytime he starts you start him um I don't know that I believe Adams will miss any more time. He's one of the most durable players in the NBA. It was listed as just hip soreness, and it was against Detroit, and it was the front end of a back to back where they've got Miami at home. It just felt like an opportunity for them to be like, "Stephen, we don't need you. Take this one. You'll play tomorrow. We need you against Bam. We'll see. I mean, I guess we'll see. The news will break at some point today whether or not he's he's playing." Um. Yeah, and actually, it just broke four minutes ago. While I'm talking, he's not on the injury report. JJJ's resting. John Morant and John Conchar are likely resting. So I don't. I, I can't ever. I can never really understand what teams are doing. Like, if you're gonna rest everybody, rest them again in the same game. Don't even send them to Detroit. Screw it. Keep them all home, or send them all to Detroit. Womp a tanking team. And then just cash in a loss in your next ballgame. Call it a scheduled defeat. This is weird. Playing just enough of their their dudes to, I don't know, be lightly competitive. Would have been nice to know uh, all of this stuff yesterday. Because with Morant doubtful, we could have gone mega Tyus Jones. Ah, well. It is what it is. You got some streaming options out there for Memphis tonight, though. That's definitely on the on the docket. Uh, Killian Hayes, his fill-in for Cade continues to be pretty decent. That's about the most you can say there. Marvin Bagley finally pooped himself. I, I mean, okay, I don't mean to take joy in it because I have nothing against Bagley. I just I can't believe that 57% shooting and 82% free throws are going to hold. They're not. And so every time he has a good ball game, and people are like, Dan O, what are you waiting for? And I got to be like, the other shooter drop. But it hasn't dropped fully yet, dropped a little bit here. I'm not in on it if that wasn't obvious. Jaden Ivey, doing what rookies do bad percentages, high turnovers, but really good counting stats. He's someone that I think, I assume he starts to figure things out a little bit by January, February. He could be a very interesting player as you turn toward of into the second half of this season because he's number 182 right now no one would believe that if i told it to you on the street in nine cat he's nowhere near a must start player and yet he's 77 percent rostered because everybody's just sitting on it going at some point that 41 percent field goal is going to come on up and maybe the free throw at 73 is going to come on up and then he's going to be a bona fide monster because 16 5 and 4 is a really good starting point with steals. And a little bit of three-pointer action. Not much. But, woof, those percentages and those turnovers, man. They will crush ya. Yowza. Sacramento beat Chicago. Uh, no notes. One note, actually. Malik Monk. He is really inching up on being consistent. So, um, add and start Monk, I say. And, of course, I say that knowing that full well, the Kings are about to embark on a, a tougher part of their schedule. And so, maybe some of that shine comes off. But... He's been good lately, like three out of every four ball games. That's good enough. That's what you're looking for with these guys that you're picking up and kind of filling in. Can you trust them to be good more than about two thirds of the time? And he has been. That's why oftentimes you'll wait two or three games before dropping somebody into your starting lineup. Darren Fox was okay. Um, you know, we've seen the very expected, slow, and steady drop. Not that he hasn't been good, but. You know he's been more like a top sixty to eighty range guy the last two weeks, and after getting off to that start where he was a, he was basically on the on the turn. I think it was between twelve and fifteen. He's now fallen to number twenty nine on a per game basis, and he's just going to slowly inch back towards that forty to seventy window, which is still fine, still solid enough. But he's not a top 15 guy. We knew that because he was shooting 56% from the field and like 86% at the foul line. And those things are just not De'Aaron Fox. Good though me, though he ha- may be this year. I'm a little worried about the Bulls. They're 9-14. Maybe the biggest underachievers in the NBA right now. Because, you know, like there are a lot of teams where they should be competitive. They should be winning. I don't know what's going on with that club. They're 5-5 five five at home. They're awful. 4-9 on the road. Now, admittedly, that's a tougher schedule. 10 home games, 13 road. Uh, but you got to just find a way. Now, Zach Levine was better in this one, but DeMar DeRozan wasn't as good. And Vooch wasn't as good. It just never quite lines up. Chicago, we have starting to hear rumors. That DeRozan and Vooch are on the trade block. If those guys get moved. There's all kinds of stuff. That could come rolling down the hill in Chicago. If DeRozan gets moved, Patrick Williams better be on your roster before you can even get through saying DeMar De- Make the ad right at that moment. Alex Caruso, probably an ad in that spot. If Vooch gets traded, no centers come back. You're probably adding Andre freaking Drummond. <laughs> yep. Chills went up my back. Io DeSumo probably becomes useful. There are a lot of guys. We talked about this. We kind of skipped the Bulls for about two straight weeks because there just hasn't been anything. But maybe ready yourself in case something does happen. And to remind you, the last place we sat with this club was that they have basically three to four dudes just outside fantasy relevance. And they only need one high usage guy to be off the table. Phoenix spanked San Antonio. Chris Paul, still out. Still out tonight. I don't know what the crap is going on there at this point. He's been questionable for the last two and a half weeks. Just not making progress. I am beginning to get a little bit concerned. I mentioned late last week, Campaign is not a must-stream player. He got off to a really good start when Paul went down, but he's just kind of out of gas. He's getting assists. Someone on Twitter was just like, Dan, he gets six assists a game. I'm like, yeah, that's one out of nine categories, homie. There are eight others and he's been quite bad in a lot of them, actually. No rebounds, not scoring as much, steals, blocks, super low, field goal, free throw percent, very low, turnovers, very high. He's been pretty bad, actually, from a fantasy standpoint. Luckily for Phoenix, uh, Booker's been good. He was a little slower in this one. They didn't need him. Bridges has been amazing. Aiton has really revved it up. Although, I'd I'd say the biggest story in this ballgame, forget the fact that Zach Collins just cannot get out of foul trouble as the starting fill-in center, and that's been a Big fat disappointment. Keldon Johnson finally didn't go like three for thirty in this ball game. Eleven for twenty-three, basically fifty percent. Phew! 27-5 and two. Good lord, that type of game was a long time coming. And finally, is this weird? Working like fully backwards? I'm feeling a little weird. Jose Alvarado went nuts for the Pelicans. 38 points on 19 shots. Eight three-pointers that ain't happen again anytime soon. Trey Murphy continues to be a solid fill-in for Brandon Ingram, who I guess posted on Instagram that is he's getting braids. I don't know if that means he's getting closer or what, but like I guess he's in good enough spirits cuz his team is dunking on people even without him. Pels are 15 and 8, they're second place in the Western Conference. Wow. Pretty good. Uh JV played 14 minutes at 5 fouls. Oops. Larry Nance only played 21 minutes. I love Larry Nance. You guys know I love Larry Nance, but the minutes just haven't been there. Pells are, they are, I think, fundamentally opposed to playing competitive basketball games. They've had like one competitive game in the last two weeks. Blowout win over Denver, blowout win over San Antonio, blowout win over Toronto. Close game against Oklahoma City, and Nance sat that damn, damn game out. That's probably why. Blowout loss to Memphis. Blowout win over San Antonio. Blowout win over Golden State. The last competitive game that the Pelicans played, where Nance was in it, was November 18th against Boston. He played 27 minutes in that one. They've just not playing any close ball games, and so Nance is going to get dropped everywhere. I would say hold on, hold on, stick him on your bench if you can, because the Pel's are on a super super weird run here, where they just are not playing any close ball games. Forget wins or losses, if you just look at the like the margins in their games, work backwards. 15 18 18 4, that's the one he skipped. 21 19 45 and then 8. Again, that's the last single digit separation game for the Pels uh that Larry Nance was in. And actually, you can go even farther back. Pels didn't have a single digit separation game for even a while before that one, although they did have to Kind of fight and then ended up either winning or losing by double digits. So it's a really weird stretch. It's mostly falling on Nance. Um, stick it out if you can, a little bit longer. For Denver, Michael Porter Jr., we haven't had a good update in a while, so uh, keep Bruce Brown a rumbling. And uh, Jamal Murray, who's, you know, weekly looking more like himself. Bones Island only played five minutes in this game. He was part of a second unit that just got decimated. Was it Bones' fault? Eh. Was it DeAndre Jordan's fault? Probably. (laughs) Uh, KCP, he's fallen off. He just hasn't really looked like the same player since the team started rotating guys in and out of that starting lineup. He just was like, he had found a really nice spot with that main starting five, and they're just not there right now. But Jamal Murray doing more has probably also hurt him. I think you can move on from KCP. I think you can move on from Bones because, frankly, if there's a guy that could just only get five minutes on a given day? I don't think you want to take a risk with him on a Roto Games Cap League. No way. Friends, when you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you. Right? I don't know, my wife doesn't sometimes. (laughs) You don't randomly want passers-by looking in on you while you're taking a leak, so why would you let people look when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the toilet and not closing the door. I would never. I would never. I am... I... Oh. I've gotten into a a number of... I don't... My wife and I don't really fight. But we do have low voice arguments. (laughs) And one of them is about that. Did you know that your ISP, your internet service provider, knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can then sell that information to tech giants who use the data to target you. You wonder how... The ads you get are pointed right at the things you've already been looking at or things really damn close to it. Well, lucky for you, ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It puts a stop to this crap. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. Works on all devices, phones, laptops, even a router. That's fun, isn't it? And all you got to do is just like closing a bathroom door. Click. Fire up the app, click one button, you're protected. It's the number one rated VPN by Mashable, The Verge, and many other websites. So if you're like me, by the way, I want you to know, if you're like me and firmly believe your bathroom and online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Today, use our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, S S V Victor, P, Paul, and Nancy.com slash HoopBall and get an extra three months free on your one-year subscription. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall. All right, let's see here. We got to go back to Saturday. Again, we'll start on the night time and then work our way back. <laughs> it's trying to do this thing. It's a new, it's a new world. Uh, Portland beat Utah. That was before Dame was back, so we don't worry about that one. On the Utah side, Malik Beasley has... Full-on soiled himself. Oops, I crapped my pants. Sure holds a lot of dung. He's still playing enough. You got to stick with it. Um, To those that have insisted, he's more than a streamer. I present to you the last few exhibits. He just, like, there has to be a lot of opportunity there. And there is with Conley out, and that's why it's averaging out to a startable level player. Otherwise, everything relatively expected. Bonus minutes for Jared Vanderbilt Hill. That was cool. I hope that sticks. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. Again, you know, he's a low-usage guy, high-rebound, high-motor, high-steals kind of dude, but it was good to see him play a little bit extra. Jordan Clarkson fouled out. I don't think that really played a, a significant role. I think Vanderbilt was just playing better, so they rolled with him. He was part of a unit that was winning. And then Portland beat up on some of the second-unit guys on that club. You saw it with Beasley blowing a hole in the ball game. Uh Warriors beat the Rockets. Not much there. Tara Eason got 29 minutes. He's got a really good fantasy game. He really does. Um, but, you know, this was the back-to-back, some guys get to rest game. No, Eric Gordon didn't play in this one. They gave Shengun some extra time to sit. I don't think that was because of the back-to-back. That was They just decided to go with rim runners at center. More Usman Garuba and more Bruno Fernando in that one. Just to keep us on our toes on the Shengun front. Which, I mean, this that's the thing. When you take a guy who, you know, the job is not completely locked in. shangun has been good, but not great. He's number 72. That's fine. It's like 2015-ish, 15, 20 slots back of his ADP, but he's been okay. KJ Martin, he's one player disappearing away from having fantasy value. And you saw it here. Gordon sits. KJ starts 13-7 and seven with an assist. Usually he gets a three or a defensive stat in there. I just so desperately want Eric Gordon to not be a starter for the Rockets, and I don't know who i got to pay off to make it happen. But if it does, KJ and Eason are both very much on the board in that scenario. Minnesota without Cat. They got really goofy with their minutes in this one. Well, Rudy Gobert got ejected, first of all, but they started Wendell Moore. He had nine points on six shots. Like He was actually doing okay in his time out there, but I don't know what the hell they're doing. So then slow-mo comes off the bench for 31 minutes. 6 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 4 blocks, and a real slow moe y kind of line, which I love. But then Nasrid has a huge game because Gobert got ejected. And trying to handicap this one? Just makes your head explode. Jalen Noel, 21 points in 23 minutes off the bench. I still need more data. And I think it's okay to say that about a game. I still feel good about slow-mo filling in for Cat. He was great in this one. He was a plus 13 in a game they lost by 7 so oops, maybe they shouldn't have gone with other dudes. Lesson learned. Jaden McDaniel's had 5 fouls. He very nearly fouled out of this game. He only played 18 minutes. It was just a total disaster. So what does that mean? Like do we see less slow-mo? If McDaniel's is good to go, does that mean that there's going to be more Wendell Moore and Noel, but slow-mo doesn't get that bounce? He did the first time cat was out. So we just we need to see one more ball game with McDaniel's Playing a little better, Gobert not getting ejected, Slow Mo, Noel, etc. Nazareed, throw them all in the bucket. Let's see what this looks like when the box score and the actual events of the ballgame aren't a total cluster mess. Talking about cluster messes, Oklahoma City has been one the whole damn year so far, with the exception of Shea, who's still trucking along, man. Shea's still number three. With that big ball game, he pushed back in front of KD by just a little bit on a per game basis. I think it was probably the 12 for 12 free throw shooting that did it. Dude's at 9.4 free throws at 92.4%. Did you guys know that Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best by volume free throw shooter in the NBA this year? That's a fun one. Do a little social media trivia on that. By the way, social media at Dan Bespris. I don't think I said that at the beginning. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Dan vespers on social media. Uh, and I'll tell you other reasons to go check that out uh, at a later point during the podcast. Josh Giddy played better in this one. He's been up and down. Typically, he's been good when Shea is sat. But more than anything, the guy I want to highlight is a guy we've been semi-highlighting for the better part of a week and a half, and that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl. We talked about him a bunch on last week's shows as a guy that was, like, right on the edge of it. I said, look, if you could come out there and say, Dan, Robinson Earl's going to get 26 minutes or more in every ballgame going forward, and I'd say, add him. And I ended up getting him in a ton of places because I think, I believe, we were just more ready for it. So I had him in four of my cash leagues. I beat a lot of people to him in those spots. He's only available in one of my leagues, even though he's only 15%, 15, 1-5%. It's a big mouth joke, I guess, at that point. one5 percent rostered uh, across all leagues, but it should be higher because we're finally getting the data points we need. He's top 100 in 26 minutes per game. Anything above that is gravy. Also, worth noting, over his last two weeks, he is exactly number 100 rank on Yahoo while shooting 42.5%. So there's actual room to grow over that. If he shoots better than 42.5% over that stretch, I mean, you're talking top 75 range guy. Now, do I think that's going to stick 75? Probably not. But, hey, you can get yourself a second center on the waiver wire right now, and it seems like they're kind of leaning into him as part of the equation. Whereas with a guy like Alexey Pokoshevsky, I think they still love him. They just don't fully trust him yet. He's been all over the map the last couple of weeks. Minutes up, minutes down. He's outside the top 180 over that stretch. I don't know that you need to hold on to Poku anymore. I really thought that they had finally decided to just let him make mistakes and learn on the fly, but it just that hasn't been the case. And then you guys know I'm still Jalen Williams' watch list at this point. Toronto beat Orlando as we continue our reverse tour here. Um, Toronto, you can pretty much drop all the streamers. Thad Young drop, Chris Boucher drop. They're back to a team of Gary Trent off the bench. He was bad in this one, but he'd actually been pretty good off the bench the previous two or three ballgames. And then the main guys, Siakam, Ananobi, Barnes, Freddie VanVleet. Guys are back. Enough guys are back, I guess I should say, for Toronto, where we don't have to worry about that other stuff going on. With Orlando, this was the second half of a back-to-back, so Fultz, we didn't know about it until after the fact, was getting held to a lower minutes cap. That's a damn shame, because he has looked pretty good in his time on the floor. Cole Anthony got a little bit of a bounce because of it. Um, His usage has been very high when he's been on the court. I'm still reluctant to take the Cole Anthony plunge As long as Paolo and Franz and Fultz are all there to sort of lap up shots and usage in front of him, now coming off the bench, Anthony can kind of get gunning a little bit. A lot of those guys are out of the game when he enters, so it's not like he's fourth in the pecking order when he hits the floor. Uh, But overall, he still kind of is. Could he slam it in my face? Yeah, probably. I, you know, it's not a super long term thing. Jalen Suggs will come back and that'll impact stuff as well. Um, I just tried, I would prefer faults. He's starting. He's the point guard. That's just the direction that I would look. It just feels, frankly, safer. And then with Bamba out and Wendell Carter Jr. still out, Mo Wagner got his second start. He looked pretty good in his first start. He looked not very good in his second start. And that's probably the whole thing. Like, are we a 50 50 proposition? That's eh, probably not good enough for me. Milwaukee rested everybody except shot-blocking phenom Brooke Lopez, who had six rejections and still sits at number 13 per game in 9-cat. Ridiculous. Brooke Lopez is a first-rounder by totals. He's number 12. Ha! Ah, That's stupid, but I love it. Um, Terry Rozier was a little bit better on the Charlotte side. I mean, honestly, they just need guys to come back. They can't. They're not even treading water at this point. They're sinking like a boulder, and they need help. And I'm not making any adjustments to my calculations until they get a little bit of help. We talked about the Kings already. Clippers still were without uh, Norm and PG and Kawhi, so they just got blitzed by the Kings. Maybe someone comes back for the Clippers tonight. We'll wait on that one. Uh, oh, by the way, mid-discussion mid here, Mike Conley practiced in full, so we may be seeing him back for the Jazz next ballgame. That would be a really nice turn. I believe they play tomorrow. I'll triple check on that. But as far as the Clippers go, you really can't make any decisions until we know what's going on with uh, PG Kawhi and Norm um, Reggie Jackson. This is why we say avoid him because it always evens out. Marcus Morris, he's totally fallen off. You can drop him as well. Uh, you know, of the guys playing right now for the Clippers, I think I'd only go Zubots and then wait and see on everybody else. Dallas, we talked about Tim Hardaway Jr. Needed to see it twice. He did it twice before this game on Saturday. Uh, he should be on every roster. He's starting, he's getting a ton of shots, and a lot of them are wide-open three-pointers. Yeah, must-play, must must-start must guy. I feel a little dumb. I drafted him in like two leagues at the very, very end, you know, 15th rounder, but I had punted on him. There was no way to know this was going to happen. But regardless, if you can get him back, as it was, or add him to begin with, uh, that absolutely positively needs to be done. Quickly, I want to check here when Utah's next ballgame is. No, they're off for two days, and then they host the Warriors on Wednesday. I don't think they're playing tonight, are they? No, no Utah tonight. So we may see Conley on Wednesday, which also means, you know, get ready to possibly fire Colin Sexton and or Malik Beasley back off into the ocean and start anew. I'm okay with it. By the way, we might get a James Harden sighting early this week also. Guys are coming back. Streamers, I would say they're shrinking, but... uh, (laughs) plenty of guys to replace them these days One injured player comes back you know door closes window opens kind of thing um let's go back to friday and make sure we didn't miss anybody because i'm sure we did play this why doesn't dan actually look at this crap before uh he starts the podcast because honestly at this point now it's funnier for me to just screw around with it miami they got pretty much all their guys back um and that means well jimmy butler's questionable again God, love it uh, if he's out, we know that you can stream Struess and possibly Caleb Martin when he's in. You don't. Simple as that. Everybody else of relevance on the Heat is either probable or not on the injury report. So that's good there. Lakers beat the Bucks on Friday. That was crazy. I did not see that one coming. Atlanta, A.J. Griffin, 35 solid minutes filling in for sort of a combination of Hunter and Collins. Jalen Johnson also in that same fill-in combo um justin holiday is back from covid protocols trey uh, uh by the way trey also sat this ball game so everybody kind of slid down Jarrett culver would be my guess well i don't know they might leave him in the starting five either he or Jalen johnson goes back to the bench with trey young back in justin holiday probably off the bench as well especially coming back from covid A.J. Griffin, my guess, sticks in the starting five, and he's a guy that, you know, once we find out the starting five for Atlanta, if he's in it, I think I would stream him. I don't think I'm streaming Johnson or Culver if they're coming off the bench. It's probably sufficient to just leave it at that. Let's see. Anybody else that we missed here? We'll do the very fast scan, and the answer is no. That was it. Hooray for me. We got through it, and I only... I don't know why I find it now amusing to do that little spiel. Hey, do we miss anybody on the Friday part? But whatever. And Friday I didn't go reverse chronological. Aw, man. I just went with two at random. I screwed the whole thing up at the very end. Ah, well. Um, Thank you to Manscaped.com, by the way. Didn't have a chance to do a full read on them. But remember, you can get anything over there for 20% off with free shipping with promo code Ethos20, ethos Twenty Once again, at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. It's not a promo code. It's a specific URL. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Now, I was mentioning earlier in the show a couple of reasons to check me out on Twitter. You guys know most of those. At Dan Vesperus. Arguably the most important right now. We are continuing to look for folks who want to try to make the jump to analyst. And I know that for many of you, you're listening to this show, so you assume my talking about basketball. Not necessarily the case. We're looking for baseball, football, basketball, and yes, hockey. The great Blake Creamer heading the hockey division right now. If you feel you can be a fantasy analyst, either DFS or full season in any of those four sports, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespers or email roster at sportsethos.com. That's that. My voice is tired. I didn't take too many breaks in this one. And, uh, Yeah, I think i got to turn right around and pick up a kid at preschool or something. You guys know the drill. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk about streamers and other stuff like that. That's all on Twitter as well. I already did kind of my what to watch for. Call them the Monday Storylines. That's on social media. We'll check out the Super Streams board. That'll be on social media. Anything else that hits my eye. Premium Discord obviously gets it first. That is the 24 hours a day pro question and answer session as well as my very own Vespers Deep Thoughts channel where anything gets dropped in before it hits the masses, at least if I think it's a real uh, needle mover. That's where that goes. You should check out something premium here at Sports Ethos. If you have any questions on it, you can hit me up in the free forums over at SportsEthos.com community. And with that, I bid you all a fond farewell. We'll talk to you Tuesday morning, everybody. So long.